How do you start a podcast? I don't know. It's been a while. How do you start a podcast? Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you are listening to the greatest podcast you'll ever listen to in Humbly. your entire life. Humbly. Humbly the greatest. Humbly. Yes. Humbly speaking. Humbly speaking, this is the greatest. Has it? It, it has felt like forever. I feel it? like it, yeah. It feels like a long three weeks, but I also feel like cause it's been a busy three weeks. But it's been three weeks since we've <laughs> recorded last. Um, whenever it makes me think of whenever somebody asks me like, oh, how you, hey, Cameron, how you doing today? Um, my, you know, you, the normal response is, oh, I'm fine. You know, because right. you're not really thinking about the answer you're just right. giving it. I always, I always just say, because I ask, oh, how's your day going so far? Eh, not too bad yet. Not too bad yet. Yeah. I always make sure I put in the yet. Right. Because it's probably going to get worse. I've been doing my job long enough. To know that all of a sudden you're just, hey, you know, you're just, we gotta do this, or, you know, you're working through an Excel document and their buyer calls and they're like, hey, can we do this? Yeah. Will it, will, will it be that much work? Oh, no. But it is. At least your response is better than, how you doing? All living the dream. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That's, that's a, good a classic. One. I love my job. Don't get me wrong. I love my yeah, job. Yeah, me too. But I always want to make sure that everybody knows that I'm not always good and I'm okay with understanding that it could get worse. Right. Go with expect like low expectations so that when the day's great, it's like, oh, what a great day. Why do you how do you think my wife like married me? Right. Low expectations. Low expectations. <laughs> and you exceed them. You know. And then you're satisfied. Satisfied. I you know, I've never been satisfied. I, that's that's not true. No, that's totally that's totally true. I think it's important that we satisfied. do understand that we shouldn't be satisfied. That's true. We should want. Yeah, I feel like you can be never. Satisfied. You can never be. I always kind of put satisfied and like synonymous with fulfilled. Oh, and you See, know, can never actually be fulfilled. Like nothing is ever going to fulfill you. That's for sure. Like you just bought a new house. Sure. Like you're never going to be fulfilled by your new house. Right. Right. You're always going to think about new ways to make your house better. Oh, don't tell my you're wife gonna want to buy another house, yeah. <laughs> Laura. Big, get a bigger house. No, <laughs> Laura, please. <laughs> this one's already so much work. <laughs> how great. how has it? I'm so excited that someone else in our friend group finally has a house and yeah. can understand the process of having one, of having a house. Right. You and I were just talking off air um, about it. How how is it going? What have you done so far in your house? Uh, a lot i feel like I'm, i don't even know where to start we've done quite a bit a lot of wallpaper i'm becoming very familiar with taking down wallpaper i would just like to say i want to go back in time and find whoever invented wallpaper especially the one that you use glue to get it on the wall like the stickum stuff where's like a sticker okay comes off a little bit easier but the glue whoever invented that i want to go back in time and tell them, don't. Don't do it. Everyone's going to want to take it down eventually. Don't do it. Because it's it's not fun. Wallpaper looks nice. Like, some wallpaper looks really beautiful. But if you don't want wallpaper and then you have to take it down, it's a pain in the butt. Took it down a lot. Of, taking down a lot of wallpaper. A lot of painting. Very familiar with the people at Ace Hardware and Lowe's. And Sherwin-Williams. You've gone what, to all three What kind places. of paint did you, did you get that, like, synthetic stuff? 
don't know. It's just like la- latex. That's latex. Latex. Yeah, latex. Yeah, latex. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. good stuff. Yeah, it's you know, it's it's, it's paint. I don't know. What are my wife? My wife does like a lot of the research on it, and I'm just like, yeah, that sounds good. There's a huge there's a huge difference using not latex paint yeah. and latex paint. Sure. Once you use a latex paint, you never want to use anything again. I, I guess I didn't really know there's a different type of yeah, wall dude. paint. Huh? Yeah, I'm dude. learning something yeah. new, man. Yeah, it dries a lot better. Than you. Typically, with latex, you only have to do one coat. Yeah, right. Yeah, we, we've only had to do two coats in one place and it's it's because what the dining room had a lot of wallpaper so really soaked up like we we did prime it but it like really soaked up the paint color so we're like this might need a second coat but yeah dining room you know living room is pretty much done the bedroom's done it's like the first floor which is the area that we really want to get done is like 75 to 80 percent done nice a couple small things here and there i'm i'm looking forward to, to being invited over yeah, and you will never be being invited over again, and then never being invited over again. Yeah, I've I have friends who I consider to be you know, sure. I have very close friends. I've never been to their place of living. That's actually true. I've, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't even know what they're what, where they live. I couldn't tell you. Yeah, I I I've only been in the one person's garage, and I'm not really entirely sure that he actually lives there. <laughs> he just brought you to a place. I, he might just be tricking me. I don't know, dude. That's true. Do you actually know if they live there? If you've never seen, oh, them? I don't. I, yeah. I really don't. I've I've never been in there. Just <laughs> walking some. My wife has told me that it exists. Well, that's uh, okay. I would trust. I you. think she's covering. Oh, <laughs> conspiracy. Um, yeah. So, so I I I just came back from a, a trip. Yeah, Arizona. Arizona. We went to we went to Arizona, and my mom moved down there. Yeah, it's like been her dream for at least the last 20 years to to live in arizona she went uh on a trip to arizona with my grandpa yeah and i saw sedona oh sedona's so beautiful (laughs) that was it like she came back from that trip she's like that's where i want to live and then her and her fiance just got like in the past couple years just like they lived across the street from a park it's really great parks are parks are great but kids go to the park sure so like they said it was always loud and they didn't want to deal with the snow anymore. So they finally were able to um, take the risk, move on down to Arizona because now people like work can work from home. So it was easier transition. Yeah. So I went to go see uh, her. She lives uh, just west of, of Phoenix. Um, but because my wife is an amazing person, and an amazing planner of events. Yep. Um she planned this the this kind of I don't know if you really call it a road trip, but then we drove up to Grand Canyon. Yeah, it's up there. Um, and then uh, so at the Grand Canyon, this is a story I'll tell because it was a harrowing experience. Um, I've never been to the canyon before, and neither has Elizabeth. Yeah, I can't describe it at all. <laughs> it's really hard because you look out maybe. Maybe a thousand feet, maybe a thousand meters. You could see, and you're like, "Oh yeah, that looks real." But then, like, you look m- more to the canyon itself, and you're like, "I, your eyes can't comprehend." It's true. It's 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 massive. No, it's 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 when they say grand, they're not kidding. It's, they're not joking. They're not no. kidding. Paul Bunyan's axe did a number on that stuff. Too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like it. Because at mo- on average you can see 
10 miles to the other side of the canyon from the south rim to the north rim. Right. Because it's as close as one mile, but it's also as long as, as 18 miles across. Mm-hmm. So on average, you're looking 10 miles across. You could see it no problem because it's so big. Right. And it's just, it's just, in, it's incredible. It's you know, glory to be to God because. Yeah, no, it's I, one of those. Yeah, I'm with you. You can't describe it. It's, you it's can see pictures. Pictures don't do it justice. Nope. 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 It doesn't. Nope. Doesn't do it. I've been justice. there twice. I've been there uh, in the winter, which is actually pretty neat yeah. to go there because actually it's snow because of the elevation. Yeah. Um, and then I went to like during the summer or something and two different experiences, but it's just, it's stunning there. Like it, you just can't describe it. Yeah. It's not just like a big hole in the ground. There's these fixture. I mean, it's it's cool. it's a bunch of holes in the ground. It's a bunch of holes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'll just I'll just tell my story here, and then we'll get to the the part where we talk to the guest, where everyone fast forwards to anyway. Um, <laughs> so uh, there is a the the tr- the most used trail uh, from the South Rim, or even from the North Rim, is called the Bright Angel Trail. Mm-hmm. So back when settlers first found the canyon. And they were moving supplies across the canyon, like there's no bridge that goes across the canyon. Right. So they had to go down one side over the Colorado or through the bottom over the Colorado River to the other side and back up. Um, so there is so this so this trail goes from the south rim to the north rim. Goes it connects the rims technically, and you'd make the, a descent. Right. <laughs> it's a nine mile descent from the the top of the rim to the canyon mm-hmm. it's a nine mile trail and they have rest houses at a mile and a half three miles um and then i think um six miles and then the indian garden is nine miles and then uh the colorado river is 12 miles and they do not recommend that you do the, co- the all the way down and back up in a day there are warnings all over the place when you get to the park do right. not do this <laughs> Um, because every 1,000 feet you descend into the canyon, the temperature rises 6 degrees. Yeah. So if it's 90 degrees at the top of the canyon, Which it is. at the bottom, 8,000 feet down, <laughs> right. you're looking at 130, 140 degrees. Oh, it's, it's, yeah. de- it's deadly hot. Um, so you have to do it, they recommend it, is you do it as a backpacking trip. Ran to these guys from Chicago that had done, they started the north run, they went down, they hiked along the Colorado River and back up. Um that was a four-day trip yeah. to go down. Um, so Elizabeth and I um, were not avid hikers. Um, we were quite well prepared. We had water. We had salty snacks. We had we had hiking boots. We're totally fine. Um, so we decided we'll, we'll go a mile and a half down and we'll come back up. And we had really good weather. It was cool. It was cloudy. It was nice. That's a good day. Um, so we, we went down. No problems. Saw, saw some mountain goats. Nice. Um and we had been walking for like an hour, and her and I are like, where the heck is this rest house? And we did that thing where it's, if you're ever on a long trip, um, it's like, oh, it's just over the next, you know, it's just over, right. it's around the next corner, it's around the next corner, it's around the next corner. Are we there yet? And I'm like, I have to go to the bathroom. So it's either around the next corner, I'm going, and we're going back. <laughs> right. Um, and it was. It was around oh, the next good. corner. <laughs> um, so... Um, we took a, took a little break and then we're about to take the one mi- one and a half mile trek back up mm-hmm. because it takes twice as long to go up as it is down because you're going down the whole time. So now right. you're going a mile and a half up the whole time. So we're going for about uh, 10 minutes and then it, we start to feel a little bit of drizzle. 
feels nice. Yeah. You know, it's kind of hot. You know, you've been hiking for, you know, an hour and a half. Like a mist. Nice mist. No. No. No, it was was raindrops. Okay. All right. (laughs) Um, And we went into this uh, couple, and they're like, hey, how long is it? How far is it down to the rest house yet? And we're like, oh, it's about 10 or 15 minutes. (laughs) I almost thought about saying, oh, it's around the other corner. (laughs) Um, But I didn't because they seemed like nice people. And while we were talking with them, it starts to rain. Now, you lived in Arizona, John. Yeah. August, September, monsoon season. Right. In, in the desert. Uh, so, you know, we're just standing there. We're kind of, kind of huddling. I was huddling under our, like a rock area. Um, and the guy in front of me is like, that hurts. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Because the rain is cold and the it's wind's pushing hard. it down. Yeah. So it's coming down hard. So I'm like, okay, well, we should see if we can get to the tunnel up there because at least we can find some shelter. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's like 10 minutes up there yet. I'm like, well, we have to go because I'm not, I'm just, I'm not just going to sit here. Right. Um, so <laughs> we get up a couple of the switchbacks, and all of a sudden the canyon's white. <laughs> from the rain. <laughs> it's white from the rain and the yeah. wind. Um, and I'm like, Elizabeth, get, get off to the side. So we just like got in between like the rocks that are like on the trail like separating the trail from the canyon wall. And we just got up next to the canyon wall because there's nothing we could do. We're going to get wet now. Right. But at least we can stay out of the out of the wind. Sure. And the wind is like coming. It's like shooting the rain off sheets over our heads. Whoa. Um, and I'm just like, and there's thunder and there's lightning. I'm just like, this is going to pass. Like, it's the desert. It's not going to like go on forever. Um, and I'm just trying to stay like calm and perfectly yeah. fine because this is a terrifying experience for yeah. my wife. Um, and we did not expect this. We were unprepared for rain. Because <laughs> when you're packing, you're like, oh, I'm going to the desert. Right. It's whatever. Yeah. I'm going to the desert. It doesn't rain there. Uh, I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it does pass. Um, we prayed to Divine Mercy Chaplet. Uh, passed. Um, and she, Elizabeth wanted to wait <laughs> until the thunder stopped. And now we can see like the white move across the canyon. Gorgeous. Yeah. We have gorgeous pictures. And I'm like, well, the only thing we're doing right now is getting more wet and more cold. Let's go. Yeah. Um, so we got up, saw some more mountain goats at the very top. So like, I'm I my I can't like close my hands. I'm like, every, I had to tie my boots once, and I like it hurt. It physically hurt yeah. for me to tie because my dexterity was all gone. And we're almost out of the canyon, and we run into these five mountain goats. Nice. Two of them are males. Okay. Male, so they have horns. Right. And, like, I don't know if it was because of the rain or whatever, but this, like, goat looks at me, and, like, he shakes his head. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, f- <laughs> I'm going to have to fight a mountain goat now <laughs> to get out of here. Are you kidding? Uh, so we just moved off to the side, and then, like, once we <coughs> yeah, got off to the pass. side, yeah. the goats just, the single file ran past us. Nice. I'm like, hey, man, it's your trail. I don't <laughs> yeah. care. This and is I your got, house, not mine. They <laughs> got past us and immediately spread it, spread out again and started eating. I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Hell, you still so, have to fight a mountain goat. No, I would have lost. Yeah, easily. I'm, I'm 130 nothing. Yeah, no, like, yeah, I mean. Go to take me out. Yeah. Um, so it was great. Went to Mass at a, like a mobile home because there was a church there. Um, that's a story for another day. And we went into Surprise, saw my mom. Fun. Elizabeth got heat exhaustion. Oh, it was so fun. hot. It's that's like 120 yeah. degrees. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, great time. Great time. 
sounds like so traveling time. is traveling is a lot of fun it is a lot of fun and speaking of traveling that was a good I transition like to, thanks dude yeah <laughs> i'd like to welcome our 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 guest for this week uh vicky leonard uh thank you so much for joining us vicky how are you doing I'm doing very well, thanks. Glad to be here. Glad to not be in Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, tell tell us a little bit about um, your yourself. Um, maybe what you, where are you from? Kind of some some background. Let's just kind of uh, hear about your story because I'm super. We've got so many questions. Well, from good. We were talking good. about uh, off here. You know, people my age think we know it all anyway, so <laughs> good you can ask the questions. Um, I grew up in Manitowoc, so I'm local, born and bred, and um, I went to the convent when I was 14, so I was out at Silver Lake Convent, which um, had at the time 150 people, girls in their aspirancy. A lot of kids went out of eighth grade, and so I went out, so all of high school was there, and then the college had just opened up to lay people and women then, other women besides the sisters, so... Um, I had a fir- my first year there, and then I was in I was a postulant when I left, so I left the end of that year, and then didn't um, I ended up graduating from Saint Norbert, which was uh, at that time you took, it seems to me we took a theology course almost every semester, which now I think they require one in your whole four years. I mean, it's like, it's, not, it's I don't know. It is sad. Yeah, I think it's like yes. one, one class. Sad. Rip. Yeah, and I and I had some really good ones. We had some good teachers and some good courses. And um, so anyway, I graduated from there, and then I went into teaching. And he said, either you're very my student teacher advisor said either you're very good or you're very bad, but don't get into a conservative school system. So I got into a very conservative school system because first we went out east, <laughs> thinking we would teach out on the east coast someplace. So we wandered around out there, and they said, where's your resume? Where's all your background? Where's your... I said, oh, well, I guess I'll go back to Wisconsin. <laughs> so I came back here, ended up in Sevastopol, which is what was a very conservative system at that time. It's past Sturgeon Bay. And um, I quit teaching in the middle of the second year. I did, it was seventh and eighth grade English, and I was high school, and it just did not go well. And I came back to Manitowoc, and... St. Paul's, I taught second grade at St. Paul's. They had an old, terrifying sister, you know, with the old veil and everything. The kids were terrified of her. And then they got this bopping young 21-year-old who just, you know, had the blast. And we, we had a lot of fun with that. And then I ended up going to Europe for a year, um, traveling around there, which is where I met my husband. And he is from Belgium. So we came back. We were married. In fact, October 1st will be our 50. First, and we met in the 50th anniversary of our meeting with awesome. each other. Yeah. That's amazing. Woo. Yeah, I know it's long. I don't know where that time, I don't know, 50, it's long, it's long. <laughs> but it went so fast. I don't know where it all went. But, um, so we will have our 50th wedding anniversary next year. So, can we, can we, can we pause? Because this, sure. this is where we have so many, <laughs> so many questions. So, um, you were telling us a little bit earlier. Um, so how did you, how did you go about meeting your, your husband? Oh, well, I, we were working, we traveled around um, Europe for a year, and in fact, when I was in France, they thought I was from Strasbourg, which my French was good enough conversationally to think I was from Strasbourg, which is on the German border of France, but still is French. And my sister, who had majored in French, she would say something, and they'd look at me and say, what did she say? <laughs> and she was so <laughs> mad. But um, anyway, that was that was kind of fun. So um, we were to get more money to keep on traveling, and in that entire year of Europe travels, we spent $1,400. Stayed at youth Whoa, hostels. Wow. Hitchhiked everywhere. Kids don't want to hear this, but we hitchhiked everywhere. Um, slept outside sometimes, in churches sometimes. Um, 
it was it was a wonderful experience just just the one and i have to say you know with all this gender identity and everything it was the first time that i was thrilled to be a girl because whenever people were hitchhiking there were rows of us and they'd always stop and pick up the girls first (laughs) (laughs) good i'm a girl (laughs) so we got rides quickly so anyway we were so to earn our money they said you can work in switzerland in the apple harvest outside of geneva in a little town called tenai so we went there and at the same time, my husband and his friend were interested in Israel, in the kibbutz in Israel, and they were driving that direction. Their car broke down in Geneva. They went out to earn more money, also in the apple harvest. So that's where we met and fell in love. And he, of course, says it's like Adam and Eve. I offered him an apple. We were in the apple harvest. <laughs> and um, here we are. But <laughs> it worked out better than Adam and Eve, i got to say. At least the whole world wasn't hanging on our this. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, six kids later, and all these grandkids and lots of other stuff. We're still going strong. So, so when you came back from uh, Europe, um, what, what, were you, what were you doing then? Um, well, he came over then a couple months later, and we got married. And then I was working. Speaking of Door County, up in Door County, uh, waitressing, and he was hired because he was from Belgium, and there was a Dutch manager at the time, and Guido had experience in the restaurant business. So he was hired as a maitre d' and maintenance, and I was waitressing up there. So, um, and then our first son was born up there too. So uh, we started. We kind of moved around. And where in Door County so did you live? In um, Bailey's Harbor. Was oh. that the Bailey's oh, Harbor? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, nice, That's nice, nice yeah. area. On the lakeside, not the busy right. bayside. Yeah, nice. But yeah, it was a beautiful area. Not half as touristy as that was in '74. Then that. Not half as touristy as it is now, mm-hmm. but just as beautiful. So how many? So, so how many kids do you have? We you have six. Six kids. Yeah. How many grandkids? Uh, well, we just inherited two because my son, my forty-nine-year-old son, got married for the first time this summer, and she had two children. They had their marriage annulled and everything. Got married out at Thomas the Apostle. Beautiful church wedding, and so they have two. So we have two more. They're twenty-one and nineteen. Oh wow! And then we okay. have nine of our of the younger ones. So <laughs> yeah, it's fun. They're they're nice kids. They were thrilled that we would call them our grandkids. So oh, that's cute. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah. We just had Deacon Mike on a couple weeks ago, uh, um, and he was saying that as uh, the like the difference between like seeing your own kids and then seeing your grandkids is a wildly different experience. You have laughing faces you never knew you had. <laughs> you know, your kids are more serious. You're kind of, you know, everything's important and so serious. And then, then you have the grandkids and whatever they do is good and it's just fun. It's my, just, yeah, my dad, um, I have two nephews. My dad's a, a, a grandpa and he said it's like, and I've heard people say that being a, a grandparent is all the fun without the responsibility necessarily. Yeah. You know, there's a little bit of responsibility, but yeah. you don't feel the pressure, you know, of like, you know, when you're raising your kid, it's, but it's a lot of fun. You know what, what we're feeling now is the, the responsibility to pass on the faith. Yes. Because sure. they're just not, they're just not getting it. And it's, there's always a chance to put something in, you know, finding their patron saints or praying with them at night. Or, um, I think, I think to one of, one of my issues at the moment is when we, when people die and we say rest in peace, rest in peace, who wants to rest in peace? These people in heaven are doing what St. Therese did. They're doing all their good on earth. And in our families, when we find our grandparents who've died, our saintly aunts and uncles, whatever they are, 
that's what you know we kind of tell our kids too to think of those people and pray to them and that's part of kind of what grandparents can can do. I don't want to be up there resting in peace when I get up there I'm going to be praying the Lord interceding for my kids and family and and yeah. you guys too in this great program too so in this church <laughs> so um yeah that's one of my issues is saying get rid of, getting rid of that rest in peace I'm sure it was a response to some heresy or something but I, I don't if, want people. If you can get, <laughs> if you can get past people that are like, oh well, God wanted another angel in heaven. Oh gosh, <laughs> that's uh, sorry, I like, that's not true. <laughs> no, angels are entirely different creations. I think we made yeah. maybe we've had this conversation with. Oh, probably bad. Maybe with angels uh, are entirely different creations to, to yet, humans. But, yeah. um, angels are all saints. You get to be a saint too, hopefully, in God's mercy. Um, but yeah, it's not. Are, you you don't become an angel when you die. Angels are so. different. You know that Battle of Jericho in the Old Testament. You yeah, know where yeah. they marched around the city and the walls tumbled down. The angel. I read somewhere that that when they looked at those walls, they were stamped down. That the angels stamped them down into the ground. So the angels are powerful, and they're oh, yeah. you know they're not little cherubs, and they're not little, you know, remade people. They are powerful beings, and. Something to be aware of. You know, when I look back over my life, too, and you're talking about this going back, there's always that thread, you know, going through of protection. I mean, we could anything could have happened to us any, anywhere during that year. Nobody even knew where we were. There were no cell phones. There was no calling, you know, home. We didn't even call. We didn't got mail once a month. And, you know, just um, so we were really protected. And I think all the way through, when you look at your life, you see where the Lord is leading and leading and each each devotion that you go through or each whatever leads you on to to something more. And so I think it's his protection over our life is really a beautiful thing to see, especially when you look back from this distance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, were you a cradle Catholic then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, yeah. So um, what is that what does that faith journey look like for you? I know every I think everybody we've had on the show so far has has gone through some sort of um, I don't know what I call a rebellious. I think everybody goes through a rebellious period. But um, what was your what was your faith life like from just being a, a credo Catholic and living in a in a Catholic uh, home? Well, it started off really good. I mean, my grandparents were Catholic. My parents, them, we all went to church. It was just you know we went to perpetual help devotions. We went to benediction. We you know sang in Latin. We had Latin masses and stuff, but. Um, I think the uh, the thing I I did go through a questioning in college probably you know when you kind of just it wasn't that I ever and I think it's the, what what most people it's not that you have something against the church or against God it's that you just kind of get lazy you, you sort of stop going this week and then next week's a little easier and and then you know pretty soon you're not going anymore and I remember when we were traveling we'd go in all these great cathedrals. And we'd sing because the the acoustics were so good. So my sister was with me. We would sing, you know, some of the holy songs. Just so in that way, we kind of kept close. But I don't remember. I don't think we were going to mass every Sunday, or you know, or really, um, you know, practicing our faith like now. I would would say, and the Lord still hung on to us and <laughs> made it through. So, yeah. um, so. Kind of going along with that. So when you come back from Europe, you're you've 
met your husband and he's come back to the States and um, you start having a family. So what sort of, what sort of things did you do? Cause I'm always, one of my biggest worry is, is God willing being a future parent is raising children in, in the faith. So what does that look like as you're starting a family? How are you building that culture of Catholicism in, in your home? You know, we I we really weren't so great at it. You know, I I played for masses sometimes on Sunday. I'm an organist for the parish, and I would go to mass, and it was kind of like for the kids, do we want to stay home and play with Dad, or do we want to go to church with Mom? And a lot of times, stay home, play with Dad, one. And I should have been more assertive. You know, I should have had them come with me. A lot of things that I look back on, and, you know, some people can say, well, my kids aren't going to church, but I did everything right. Well, my kids, a lot of them aren't going to, I would say now four out of six are going to church. But um, I can't say that I did everything right. You know, we prayed a lot for them. But sometimes sometimes I feel like my faith is more private and, and I don't share it more with them. Like I have these great religious experiences. Well, why don't you go home and tell them? You know, why don't you talk more about it? Why don't you, um, and maybe that would be pushy or I don't know, but, but um Sometimes I think we should share more. You know that horrible quote about if you can't, how does it say, spread your life with good example, and if it doesn't work, use words. What is that thing they attributed to St. Francis? It, if you it's your, it's oh, something yeah. Like it's um, uh, oh, when necessary, use yeah, words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When uh, necessary, use words. Um, your life should be your example. And when yeah, it's like it's spread... Necessary. It's something. It's not a real quote by Saint Francis. No, right? it's not. And I think he rolls over in his grave every time they attribute right. it to him um, because he was a great speaker. Oh, it's like well, preach the gospel and when necessary use words or something like. Yeah, that. Yeah, I saw that preach the gospel and when necessary use T-shirts. Oh. <laughs> 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 that was a, somebody had that on a T-shirt. But use yeah, bumper the, stickers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But the words are so important, and I think sometimes we don't say the words. You know, our lives are not mm. going to be perfect, but. People need to hear the words. They yeah. need to have you pray with them. They need to hear you sharing your faith. So, I think it's important to use the words. So you yes. said you're an organist for the for the parish. Yes. Um, how long have you been doing that for? I started. <clears throat> I started playing when I was six. Oh, wow. And then by the time we were, Grandpa played prayed for my played for my paid for my lessons. And he used to listen like I was, you know, Bach or Beethoven or something. He'd think every little note I made was wonderful, so I thought I was great. But by 7th or 8th grade, we were playing for the Latin Masses, playing for wow, the funerals. Awesome. And Ann wow. Lensmeyer and I together, she's a year younger, two, three years younger, but both of us were doing that by then. But we learned how to sight read really well, but mm. the nuns were not big on playing by ear. Mm-hmm. And now when I heard like those piano guys, those dueling pianos, if I could play by ear, I would. That would be my dream. But it's impressive when people can do that, though. Yeah, I yeah. just love it. But I do love play, and it's a gift. It's a wonderful gift to have to be able to play for mass. One time, one weekend, I figured it was on a um, Memorial Day weekend, I think, and I was the only one in town. And I thought, you have in, um, enhanced the liturgy for I think it was close to six hundred people because they were all at the masses, and you know your job. Is, as an organist, is to enhance mm-hmm. the singer and bring bring the congregation in, and it's never about about the accompanist. So that was really that was very fun. So that's my favorite thing to do. I love. Yeah, so many great organists in this parish. Because oh, in my last parish, when I and from Heartland, we didn't really have we had an organ. Nobody played it. 
and yeah. uh, it's so amazing. I, I just it's the small things. It's 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 something that is enhances the mass, right? It's not one of those things that's you know absolutely necessary, obviously, but it's it makes the setting. And actually, from the so council, from the Second Vatican Council, beautiful. the organ yeah. is the preferred instrument. Yeah. Although now things are being written so much for keyboard, and mm-hmm. keyboard's beautiful too. But, and I don't play like you know, like I could, like I have, I don't have classical background or anything. But the hymns are not that difficult. Don't tell me, but they're really not that difficult. <laughs> <laughs> they're not that great. <laughs> I definitely couldn't do it. So uh, I mean, I'd, oh, it's fun. It's, it's a wonderful thing. So, do you guys sing at least? I do. You do like oh, out good. like in church. I mean, when oh you know, you know, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. There, there, there are some songs I refuse to sing. <laughs> yes, yes, I know. <laughs> I, yeah. No, my wife uh, gather us in as one of them. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, sister in law sings frequently at the parish. Um, a lot of six thirty masses. My oh. wife joins in with her, and uh, they've asked me to sing with them. I should do it. You've I got a good voice, it. John. Yeah, that Thanks. would be nice. Yeah, no, I should do it. I have sang in my last parish. I I sang in a um, praise and worship choir for teen masses and such. Oh, uh, nice. It was right before it was right before the, our our life team, so it was convenient. And I was like, yeah, that's what I'll do it. So I have to I say that, that the influence of young men over young boys is huge. Your example in the church is just. I we learned this one time with the Sarah Club. We had the seminarians and. We did something, it was a 7th and 8th grade field trip, and the boys, when we started singing, the boys did nothing. They were all just kind of, you know, mulling, mulling around, milling around the background, and all of a sudden, the seminarians came, and they sang. I mean, that was their life. Man, those boys perked up, and that example of, of your age with the younger boys is really crucial. So it's nice, it's good to see, and involved in this too, something like this is really such a witness to all of us. That's why uh, one of my spicier, I have a lot of spicy takes about the church, <laughs> but um, when I was still teaching, I would always, we'd of course have a lot of conversa- ah, a lot of conversations about how do we improve education, how do we, how do we get things, how do we make things better, how do we curb behaviors and, and instill a level of learning again. Uh, one of my, one of, I didn't, I don't see it as spicy, but um I said you can fix a lot of problems in in three steps. A one, take away all the phones forever. Yeah. No phones. I don't care. Like, there's give everybody like the the phones attached to the cords if you need to call the office. <laughs> you already, already have those in every yeah. classroom ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so even staff, no phones. Get them away. Two, uniforms. Mm. The uniforms build good culture. They take care of any clothes issues. They take care of any obvious signs of economic disparity. Mm. Build it. It's they're probably fine. And then um, separate genders. Mm. Uh, mm. Now the nice thing is that girls are really good at school. The girls. It doesn't matter if girls are with other girls or girls are with other boys. They excel when they want to. Um, Boys will exclusively excel when they're only with other boys. Hmm. Um, there, there is a parish. I, I, I think it's a diocese in Indiana um, where they separated the genders uh, by saying only women could be girls, could be sacristans, and only boys could be servers, which is a super super spicy take. 
pretty spicy. But their vocation numbers skyrocketed. Really? Because when it becomes a boys only thing, boys, it's a really a benefit for boys. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Because girls, I think every priest would tell you, and as, as the sacristan myself, for the most part, girls are better servers <laughs> because they're really good at following direction and they're really mm-hmm. good at having attention to detail. But when it becomes a boys' club, and boys excel around other boys. They they just they just do, um, and having positive real male role models in their lives, I can I can count easily on one hand <laughs> um, the students that I had that had behavior issues that had a strong male role model. It was maybe a couple, mm. but the rest of them that was the problem. Right. You know, that, that leads perfectly into the father image that we have mm. lost. I think the biggest the biggest loss in our society today is the father image. And I think when you think of that, how important that is to a son and to a... I had a friend who was in a... He had a mental breakdown and he was in an institution for a while. And at the time, there happened to be only 12 other women and him. So when they went to group session, it was always the 12 women and him. <laughs> and they had to share their life. And he said, we went around the circle... Every single one of them, it was the father. Mm. The father did this, the father did this, or wasn't there, or was there too much, or whatever. So the father, and I think, you know, when we have lost that father image, it's it's so crucial. And if your father was terrible, then think of the heavenly father who's perfect. Think of the who, everything you ever dreamed of. That is our father. So it's it's um I think that's something that we really... And the church going back to Creator. And one time I said to Father, it was one of the fathers, and I said, I'm not going to worship the holy it in the sky. And he said, what are you talking about? <laughs> I said, if the Father was good enough, the Father was good enough for Jesus. If God the Father was what he called the Father, then that's good enough for me. I don't want the holy parent. I don't want the holy whatever. I want the I want God the Father who will restore mm-hmm. me and hold my soul. So that was kind of interesting. I get off. Yeah, it is. <laughs> These, uh, well, I think we talked about this last. Oh man, one of the I know we talked about it on one of the podcasts, but the importance of the father being present at mass, yes. and the influence yep. that it has mm-hmm. on children continuing to be involved and to continue to go to mass after you know high school or essentially. Is it's drastically higher yeah. when yeah. Um, the father is present. Right. It's higher when you know. So it's like baseline. If neither oh, parents there, yeah. you know, the involvement's gonna be very low. When the mother's involved, it's higher, much higher. And then when the father's involved, that it skyrockets. Yeah. And it just, I think, I don't think it's uh, shocking though. Like I'm not. Um, no. you know, I, I think that, uh, it makes sense in my opinion of the, of the father figure being involved. Um, you know, I just think back to my own, my own family. My, my dad wasn't Catholic most of my life. He, he did convert, um, much, much later into their marriage. He, he eventually converted to Catholicism because he desired, um, the Eucharist, which is very beautiful. Um, but he was still present at mass. My mom and dad made it very clear that my dad would go to mass with us. He didn't. He didn't. Uh, um, he would pray, but he didn't um, participate in, in communion. Um, but he was still very much present. And I think, looking and reflecting back, I think if my dad wasn't there, I don't know where I'd be. 
because mm-hmm. I look at my dad as such a role model. My mom was too. Don't get me wrong, but as as a you know as a boy looking up to my dad as being my hero with everything, um, or my and my role model. Uh, I think that if he wasn't present, even though he wasn't Catholic, he was still present. Uh, I don't know where I'd be. To be I honest. think too, and you, I've learned so much about the father watching my husband parent and watching my son parent um, and son-in-laws too, but. My husband was just always, always there. You know, he'd come home from work at noon and he'd just pick up the slack wherever it was. And he, he was creative with them. He was playful with them. He with the kids. He mm. was always. They had good mm. ideas. A total compliment to what you do as a mother. And watching my son, you know, he <laughs> when he'd give the baby her bath, he would put the towel in the dryer so it was warm when she came out into this war. Just those guys put his hand in front of a sharp edge table just so she would not bump her head. Just those kind of, that you, it gives you such an image. And even if your father wasn't so good, if you can find a good role model father mm-hmm. and watch mm-hmm. how they love their children, there's nothing more beautiful than seeing a father with his, with his baby or in church when they're sleeping on their shoulder and they bring him up. Um, yeah, the father is really crucial to our development, I think. Yeah. Um, and there's such a, uh, I think it's pretty obvious at this point that there is, a massive assault on mm. masculinity from the secular world. You know, you know, you throw around toxic masculinity, whatever the heck that is, and um, <clears throat> gender fluidity, whatever the heck that is. Where where it's it's being it's we're getting further and further away of understanding what a man is, and I think the evil one is definitely at play trying to drive a wedge in between what gender roles specifically are and what being a man is, what being a woman is, um, or driving it more to the extreme. So, you know, the, the more we lose a manhood, the more the only manhood that you can see is very, very, very masculine. Arnold Schwarzenegger or... Mm-hmm. Um, Rambo, or Sylvester Sloan. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> like if that's supposed to be what a man is, when in reality, you know, we've got two very perfect, oops, we've got two very perfect examples of what a man is in Jesus Christ and, and St. Joseph um, for what, for, for, for there, there's a place, there's a time and a place for strength, absolutely, um, but that strength really comes from sacrifice mm-hmm. and being a man is 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 sacrificing whether it's for um primarily for his spouse if he's a if he's married um for his children for his family and in 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 the priesthood i think manhood is exemplified even more in the priesthood because there is absolute death to self it, it is massive sacrifice. I've and I've said this a lot on the on the on the podcast. If you look at our priest calendars, it's disgusting. Right. Mm-hmm. They are and again, so, it's the father. They are so father busy. They have so many things to do and they and they are serving the parish and they're doing their life's work. Um but if if you aren't praying for our priests <laughs> yes. you need to yes. start praying for our yeah. priests because it, I feel there are a lot of times I'll I'll see you know Father Doug or Father Father Jason, um, not so much Father Matt yet he's still young, <laughs> um, but 
you you see them and they're they're drawing energy to be joyful um out of the holy spirit i can only define as that though i'll see them before and they're you can just look they're exhausted but then when they're around the people they're around the, the students that we work with it's just they're pulling joy from yeah, somewhere yeah. otherworldly, and it's 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 just incredible. Pray for a priest for sure. Um, One thing you mentioned about the children, about um, in the schools, that's another just something I, I wanted to bring up before I leave. That I hate when people talk about the future. That the children are the future of the church. They're oh, not the future ahead. of the church. They are the church today. Oh yeah. Their prayers as a four-year-old. Their prayers as a two-year-old. Their yeah. prayers as a ten. It's not. I wait till I'm older and then I can be. No, you are. When they bring them up now at Mass after communion and bless those little children and give them that little thing, again, it's the Father giving them, giving the children those little papers, but how much that means to mm-hmm. them and how mm-hmm. where the whole congregation puts their hand up and blesses, it's so... Um, it's planting so many seeds. Yeah, and they know, are and the church today. Yep. They are vital. Absolutely. That is, that is, that's a soundbite right there. That's a title somehow. It's power of the church. No, it's it's <laughs> true. Great. I mean, that's yeah. great. You know, I, I hear a lot of times from people, uh, like, you know, oh, too young to understand, or you know, oh, I'll 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 get into my faith later. You know, why? Why later? But how holy but some it, of these little ones are. Right. Why? I mean, why later? Just you know, um, you know, I I I think I it, I hear it mostly from from teenagers but mm-hmm. if we could if yeah, we yeah. could do a better job and i agree with you but i've seen these kids up the, at the front of the church in those in those crucial ages of they're they're not yet teenagers but they're there's they're old enough to comprehend their being a god you know um how important it is to to try to to, to get them to pray to have them be at present at mass to get them involved in the church. And we have so many ministries that they can be involved in too. That uh, that kids. Well, now you're mentioning be. phones and stuff too, and I think you know how crucial or yeah. online or those kind mm-hmm. of you know how crucial they have somebody like a ten year old show other ten year olds the way. You know, no, I'm not going to talk about people. No, I'm not going to go online mm-hmm. and say this. Or fifteen year olds or twelve. You know how important that is. At their own, to have a strong enough person willing to stand up for his faith and willing to mm-hmm. be kind, and that—that's such a great witness too. I think. Little yes, ones. I agree. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of ministries, um, Vicky, you're involved in not only just um, a music ministry, but you also help out our uh, our high school faith formation group. Um, so, how did you? How how does that come about? Have you been doing that for long? I kind of pop in and out about 10, I don't know how many years ago I did the ninth graders and they were so terrible. I said, I will never do this again unless every kid comes with a parent because I'm not going to fake. And that there was no curriculum, no nothing for them. That was just, that was like, I don't know, maybe 30 years ago. I don't know. But um, now the kids who come are so, they're so respectful and they're so holy and they mm-hmm. listen. I, I just think the cream of the crop it has never been creamier. I mean, these kids are, these confirmation kids are just super, and we're so blessed to have them. I wish there were more. I don't know where these kids are that they don't come and take advantage of, of wonderful programs that are offered. But, um, yeah, I think I think we are very blessed with our young people, and they are, they are a witness to each other. 
Mm-hmm. And I so mm-hmm. did that with confirmation, and then I now I one of the girls asked if I'd be her confirmation sponsor. So I'm so oh, honored to awesome. to do awesome. that. That is awesome. But um, yeah, I think they're they're a good. Yeah, now I'm not really doing anything with with religious ed. So oh, okay. okay. I play for music once in a while for their masses or something. Sure, sure. Um, I told you I was going to say something. You know, I told you, you know how it is. Yeah, <laughs> I know how it is. Yeah. <laughs> I always forget <laughs> I something. Lose, lose some, something in there. Um, it's bound to happen. <laughs> yeah, I just I just don't I don't know what it is. Um, so do you think? I mean, like. What was calling you towards when you did work with with faith formation with our high school kids? What what was kind of drawing you to that? I think just that they, when young people pray and when they their relationship with the Lord is so from the gut. I mean, it's so there's no um, there's no fakeness, no whatever. When they when they pray, it's it's just very powerful. And I'd love to go to Steubenville one of these times. I haven't been there with them, but I think um, I know Ralph Martin and I know Scanlon and those good guys. But uh, they they are getting very good, solid food from that. But I think just just seeing those young people, knowing what a difference they will be making, as like you guys, as you become fathers and as you take part in the church and maybe go into politics, maybe in your workplace, maybe maybe become a priest or well, not you two. But the domestic church, you will be the father of your domestic right. church. There you go. But um, yeah, they're so important. So I think just to to try to have some influence on those young people is important. And the older you get, the more you see that. The more the more you love those kids, and the more you want just the best for them. And that's all God. I mean, that's what God wants. The other day I woke up, this is a funny, but I woke up in the morning and I had this, just this ache in my heart, just a passionate ache for it. And I, it was when my kids were little and when they were all home, that they would be again in the living room, just, you know, all around. And I thought, that's what the father feels. That's Mm. what the father feels for each of us. I wish they were all home again. I wish they were all in my garden again, you know. Yeah. And so when we keep that in mind again, it kind of goes back to father, but the great love that he has for us and mm. how young people appeal to his heart, too, I think. It's, was it last Sunday, the the prodigal son? Yeah, not this last Sunday, but the Sunday, Sunday before. That's that. what I meant. Yeah, yeah. last yeah. Sunday. Yeah. yeah, really long gospel. Right. Yeah. Uh, the, the pastor we had, in the, the priest in the, when we were in the Grand Canyon, um, did not do the prodigal son, which I was a little upset about. Oh, because uh, he did the shorter. He oh, the shorter yeah, okay. Form. Oh. I was say he, he's been a priest for like 26 years, and he explained why he didn't do the longer form. Um, but then again, just explain the prodigal set anyway, so it was all right. <laughs> yeah. I used to not, I used to like not love that reading, and then I, and then somebody re- really explained it to me really well, and now I absolutely love it. Um, but when you said having, you know, all the children in the garden again, um, just kind of remind me a little bit of that reading of um, how how there's more celebration in, in heaven for when somebody comes back, you know, and um, to the church, you know, just it, how beautiful it is that a son is reunited with his father. Um, so it just kind of re- reminded me of that, of... Uh, of how our 
how our God is is so loving that he will do he will run for us I mean we don't even have to get two words in um, you know and he'll be there it's it's it he's such a loving father that um, he's always even if we're far away he's never giving up on searching for us and and I think that more the more that people realize that I think um, hopefully we'll see more people return because I think a lot of people um, maybe even younger people feel like they're so distanced from the church that um, there's no point in going back you know or oh there's no way that you know I'll be accepted um, but that's such it's so false it's such uh, devilish talk I guess that you'll never be accepted back because mm-hmm. I mean we see it right in the gospel of you can blow your father's uh, money away you can do everything wrong come back and he'll still welcome you and and and, and such so um, yeah, I just, I don't know. You saying that just kind of reminded me mm-hmm. of, of how our father wants all of us. He doesn't just want, you know, one or two kids or whatever. He doesn't want, he wants every single person. He wants you just as much as everybody else. So speaking of, and speaking of Steubenville, uh, one of the years there, um, they, they always have like a, a theme for the year. And I haven't been, I didn't, wasn't able to go this last year, but um, one of the themes was relentless father mm, yep. and there the the bible re, the the passage that they used for it was the prodigal son right that god is relentless in his in his tracking tracking down of us if you if you think about it i think it was more um so your your kiddos you have you have six kids Whew. <laughs> I'm getting big respect from my kids now who have two and three and they're going, how did you do this thing? Well, like you said before, there were no phones. There were no, you know, there was right. such a change. There, yeah. What TV wasn't on much. It, yeah, it was so different. It really was different. What um, what advice would you have to 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 parents who are, who are maybe raising their first one, maybe raising their second one, third one, uh, with all the experience that you have? There's really no easy way. I mean, there's no uh, way you do it by yourself. Um, scripture's been a big help. The Bible's been a big help to me. Going back, I have, I think for each pregnancy, I had a scripture that that kind of helped me through. And so I think um, those stories, those um, scripture stories, the parables and were helpful. And I think it's Isaiah, oh shoot, 11, 40, 11, I think it says, the Lord will lead the lambs and he will carry he will carry the lambs in his arms mm-hmm. and he will gently lead the ewes the mothers and i thought that's what it is he carries them in his arms mm-hmm. and i just have to follow him mm-hmm. and that takes a lot of pressure you know i remember waking up at night with every kid i had a pet thing i was worried about oh should we send him to this school should we do this why are we doing this oh my gosh we do this what are we doing? and i think you can't avoid that and for women that's and mary was and i i hate to say this because i i don't know but I always thought, you know, I didn't pray to Mary so much because she had one kid and he was God. I thought, you know, (laughs) how do I relate to you? (laughs) But, (laughs) you know, I mean, it's just, it's hard when you're all running around yelling and you think, gee. But um, 
Anyway, I, I that's a lot of pressure, though. Your is one kid is bad. <laughs> what are you gonna do? You screw up. You screw up. Yes, Jesus. I'm getting to love her much more. Question? <laughs> question? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> no, I blame Joseph. <laughs> yeah, the father. Oh, was without sin, so that's that we know she yeah. did a good yeah. job. <laughs> yes. As far as advice, I think just um, loving them and loving each other. Mm. I think the father and mother relationship is so important and. Um, praying together. If you can do the rosary together, if you can either pray together morning or night, that's just crucial. And you together know what the problem with each child is or what the thing you want to pray about with each child. And so that the other thing I wish I had done more of was going at night and say goodnight to them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we got busy. I was always mm-hmm. nursing whatever the younger one was and they all kind of fell asleep. And, but to do more, just to go in at night, even when you think they're asleep, because a lot of times they're not. Oh, you know, they're just, sneaking yeah. Game Boys and yeah. right, Father Brown. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think take the phones away. I would. I think take the phones away at nine o'clock. Your phone mm. is mine. That's. Yeah, I would just take them away, and because that night, you know, you they can be doing, you know, whatever, listening to whatever. So, some of these kids have a whole world going on that yeah. parents don't even know about. I just got a whole a new Wi-Fi system. So my current one is uh, for like an apartment, right? So it's it's small. I need more megabytes per second for the house and more for your more, <laughs> more router essentially <laughs> and I was, looking, I was looking into the router that i just bought and it's got a really cool feature and i told my wife flora about this and uh we're really excited for it there's a a way to limit um wi-fi and internet usage uh per mm-hmm. each user during different times of the day so there's a setting on there that I could set for, you know, my future God willing children um, that, you know, from this time to this time on this certain day, there's mm. no internet usage. Well. And I was kind of like, I kind of like that. So I, like, I was like, I was reflecting. I was like, I think, I think, you know, uh, I mean, you know, they'll need it for homework, I'm assuming and, and such, whatever. But, you know, maybe from Sunday, from this time to this time, you know, with Sunday being, you know, the Lord's day and, and you know spending time with family you know i know life gets busy but you know from this time to this time you know no no internet you can try yeah, <laughs> you yeah. can blow through data well you know those, re- <laughs> those retreat uh, weekends those yeah. kids give up their phones right. and yeah. after two hours they're fine with it i mean mm-hmm. they from what you've said they yeah. they adjust very well so knowing nobody else has one and i don't have one either kind of helps i guess but right they are more relaxed without it i won't have to have that issue um, <laughs> because my kids will not have a smartphone. Yeah, no, I, that's another oh, thing too. Like, it's I, not man. gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, I, I did not have. I, I didn't have, have a smartphone. A it's in my room. I didn't have a smartphone in high school, and I mean, then again, there wasn't a ton of apps. You know, the apps were. Yeah. yeah. Some people had Facebook, but like maybe Twitter. But the other apps were we didn't have like a, a lot of games either. Um, they were on. They were on Facebook, I remember. But uh, I survived high school just fine without a smartphone. I had one of those, like, tank ones. I remember throwing okay, yeah, it yeah. at a... Yeah, it was, like, the, the keyboard one. You, like, flipped oh, it horizontally. Sidekick. sidekick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sidekick. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I loved it. The thing was a tank, man. You could drop it from 10 feet, and that thing never broke. You know, you drop your iPhone from, like, 2 feet, and it's got a dent in it. You're like, what the heck? But, yeah, that thing was a beast. I survived high school. I didn't have a smartphone until I was sophomore in college. Mm-hmm. 
Maybe you can support each other as you know, both of you kind of the same age and, and commit to that and there you go. support yeah, each wanna, other in it because it'll be tough. Wanna block my John? <laughs> wanna what? You want to block my Wi-Fi, John? Yes. <laughs> block your Wi-Fi? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, like set up. I already have, um, I have an app on my phone that limits my phone usage entirely to 30 yeah. minutes a day. You might Ooh, be well. surprised. I think it you're... Just, it kicks, if you try to open an app, it kicks you off. You might be able to... Uh, uh, I feel like your router might be able to do it. No, our router is like twenty bucks. Like I said, it's not going to be an issue because yeah. our our kids aren't going to have a smartphone. Right. They're, That's they're right. Need, I think um, there's a there's a really <laughs> there's a really great Reddit community uh, <laughs> from my Reddit days because uh, <laughs> I hate I hate social media. Reddit's a cesspool. Um, but there's this Reddit community called uh, Le Wrong Generation. Okay. And um, the, the all these kids that like see music from like the eighties, um, pop music from the eighties, uh, and they're like, "Oh, I was born in the wrong generation. My music this generation sucks, <laughs> dude. You were born in the right generation because you can listen to whatever you want, whenever you want. This is awesome, right? Um, I think, and I might sound, I'm, I think I come off as an old guy because I'm always talking about how much I hate social media, and I do. I think social media is a plague, um, but. There's a lot of good things about technology. There are. I love Spotify, where you can find our podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, because I can listen to whatever music. <laughs> so I can listen to whatever music that I want. You can control, like, you have parental controls on Spotify, mm-hmm. which is great. Right. So you could block explicit content, mm-hmm. you know, for, like, the swearing and stuff. Right. That's great. Awesome. Um, I think music accessibility with technology is phenomenal. Yeah, that's great. The... Yeah. The tools we have for mathematics that are online are phenomenal. The tools we have for science, the wealth of knowledge that we have on the internet, and in, te- in just from technology is phenomenal. I the think. flashlight app, I use that all the time. <laughs> oh, the app that was like yeah, it's just a flashlight. Most phones have flashlights on them. I know, but I'm just saying. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I'm missing like, new technology. Yeah, um, I use it all the time. I think there's there's. <laughs> That we stuff. we have to teach our children, teach our kids, and I think for the most part, definitely teach ourselves um, how to start using the things in our lives as tools, mm. and don't That's let them use point. us use them as tools. I use yeah. the internet; it's a tool. I I get my use out of it, and then I get rid of it. Yeah. The TV we have in our living room comes out on Sundays for football, Mondays for football, and then it goes away. <laughs> I use it to watch football. That's it. And then it goes away because <clears throat> yeah, we could, I mean, I could sit down and watch TV every day. I don't care. Um, right. But I know that about myself and we know that about ourselves. So we, we take the TV mm-hmm. and we put it away. Right. You make why. sure that you're using it and it's not using you. Yeah. Right. And I'm, exactly. and I'm by all no means perfect. Um, I'll shine the, after I watched the game last night, um, I watched Impractical Jokers because I could. <laughs> I love that show. <laughs> it's a good that late show. night. That, yeah. yeah. But that's it, it, important for us to teach. We don't want to teach that technology is evil because there's a lot of great things back to technology. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a great technological... We're using technology right now. We are right now. We can. Right. Here we are. You, two handsome white boys from Manitowoc <laughs> can make a <laughs> semi... Semi a little bit successful podcast uh, yeah. on uh, a question and a dream, right? You know, mm. 
And generous donations. Another <laughs> 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 <Not a> plug. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Parish. Thank you. Thank you, Parish. Um, yeah, so I, I, I think that's great. Um, yeah, that, that's any any other nuggets of, of advice from uh, anything that came up? You're so good, Vicky, at like noticing, listening to something, hearing something, and then being able to be like, oh, yeah, I got something for that. <laughs> I don't know. I guess just just loving your kids, taking care of them, yeah, nighttime with them. I think that's uh, those are probably the main things that that I would stick with. I guess mm-hmm. so. It's simpler than it looks, really. <laughs> I mean, it Is looks terrifying when you go on. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it looks terrifying. How do I do this? And I hear these people do this, and these people do this, and how mm-hmm. do they? And mm-hmm. this is this, and I have to go here, and I have to. They have to take lessons, and they have to be in sports, and they have to. What? No, they just have to be what. What leads to the faith the most, mm. and then how can you, you know, how can you blend everything else around that? And I think that's. Um, I wish I had done more of that, and I'm glad to see that young people like you guys are into it. And um, it's it's crucial. I mean, it's heaven or hell. That's <laughs> what mm. you're getting mm. them ready for. Right. So yeah, I appreciate that. I'm still being called young. <laughs> well, you are, my gosh, guys. Yeah, pretty young. Well, I'm 29. Yeah. That's way young. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, fifty years. You're coming up in fifty years of, of wedded yes. wedded. That's bliss. beautiful. Longer than John and I have been alive <laughs> uh, <laughs> together. Uh, probably. Uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's close. It's close. It's close. <laughs> yeah, it's close. Well, you're you're in math. Twenty nine plus twenty eight. <clears throat> you're twenty eight. Yeah. Oh, forty seven. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. F- Two to get to no fifty seven. Fifty seven. I'm questioning your degree, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I write He's formulas in Excel. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so fifth years of marriage. How how do you get to? I'm at three years. I just got. We just had our two year anniversary. We a couple just weeks got ago. to two. Yep. <laughs> I uh, sidebar. Um, every 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 time Elizabeth and I are graciously invited to a wedding, um, we 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 just for the first couple of years of our marriage, did not want to be the first people off when they do that. Um, oh, like yeah, the, the decade um, dance. Yep, decade, the, yeah, yeah, sure. Oh, Where, yeah, like, yeah. They have the, have you been married for less than one year? We're like, oh, come yeah, on. We're shooting for that. And then after we got past one year, we're like, yes, we're going to get past that. And then the first one we went to is like, if you've been married for less than five years, I thought we were going to get a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the last wedding I was at, they did, uh, you know, of course they do like that. If you've been married for less than five hours, you know, it's like, oh, the first, you know, couple, yeah. the, the, the bride and groom go away. And then uh, they said less than one year. And Laura and I had, just had her like we were married for a year so i said less than one year like oh, we're not we're not the first people to go so um, <laughs> we know 50 doesn't get very far they've been married 62 years oh. 71 years we're lucky if we get the copper because <laughs> <laughs> there just are so many out there but so how the heck do you get to 50 years I don't know. You just kind of creep along, like um, like the Queen of England said. You just sort of muddle through it, and all of a sudden you're there. But um, I it's all him, really. You know, in Belgium they have a saying: you add water to your wine when you get married. And he has added so much water. And I said, you know, our job is to get each other to heaven. I'm doing a great job. He's but he's been so good. I'm gonna be, mm-hmm. I'm gonna be struggling to get there. 
So I think you just work on bringing each other there. And mm-hmm. he he's the one that, you know, I'd come in, he'd come in, I'd be all upset about the kids. He said, it's going to be fine. I'd know they were going to divide die from whatever disease they had. He said, it's nothing but a rash will be gone. <laughs> you know, just, I'd have all these things built up. And he said, you're just making that stuff up. It's not going to, it's not like that. And so I think you... He, you just complement each other mm-hmm. so well. Mm-hmm. When I look at two women married or two men married, I think, oh, my Lord. I, I, it's just we together work so well together. He brings all the manly man things in. Well, I was going to say that before when you said, um, "There's a, I would like to have, sit down with a bunch of young women and talk about what they're looking for in an ideal spouse and then go back to Jesus and see how, how he fulfilled those, mm. how manly he was and how masculine he was. That would be kind of a fun Ooh, thing to write that down. Do yeah, sometime. That's true, yeah, that question. So that'd be cool. But yeah. as far as getting to fifty years, it just all of a sudden you're there, and you know we have been blessed with not being real sick and not having you know we crises or anything, and um, it's just been joyful. And he's given up a lot, his country and his family. We go back and forth often, but um, and you know he's it's it's been very good. But again, it's a combo. He had the things I didn't, and I had the things he didn't, and. Mm-hmm. Together it goes, so I guess, and you guys are on a great path, so yeah. I, I, and I, whenever they do like one of those uh anniversary, or they like have a, a special intention for an anniversary in the prayers of the faithful, um, and my eyes just get like big 60 years, my goodness, yeah, I, it's amazing. It's not like I'm sitting there like, oh, how the heck am I gonna get to 60 years? Um, because I you know, my my wife is an amazing person and will get me there. Uh, but I'm like, geez, I hope that I'm blessed with with 60 years right. yet. You know, right? Well, it's like retirement. We never looked for. I mean, we never thought about it. We never paid much attention to what. All of a sudden, I'm turning 65, or he's turning. To think, oh, we can retire. I have an eight year old grandson who can't wait to retire, <laughs> so he can have a life like his grandpa has. You know? <laughs> he hasn't even started working yet. <laughs> but yeah, you don't you don't aim for those years. They just come and and uh, yeah. It's nice. Somebody said one time, the days are long, but the years are short. Mm-hmm. That's kind of you know you have long days when the, the kids are you know acting. You think it'll never be over, and all of a sudden they're going off to high school or they're getting married. Mm-hmm. Or, so yeah, it's. I remember when our first son was born. They brought in this. The hospital gave you this baby book. So they bring in this baby book, and my husband came in, and I'm crying, and he said, what's the matter with you? And I said, it's already got his military record, and he's not even two days old. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like it goes that fast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Were any of your kids uh, in the military? No, they didn't go in the military. No, oh, okay. I have a son-in-law who was in the military, sure. but the rest of them didn't. Sure. Did your husband do military? In Belgium, it was required, but he got out of it after two or three days, so. Two or three days? Oh, yeah, it's a long story. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Did he do so he bad on purpose to get kicked yeah, out? Yeah, I would say that was part of it, yes. <laughs> was was it, who's it. the guy in MASH? Uh, oh, was like, gosh, he, I don't know. He dresses like a woman. To, he's like oh, trying yeah, to do all right, the things no, to get... Right, right. To get yeah, to get yeah. kicked out of the army, <laughs> they just won't do it. He didn't <laughs> do that. Do he didn't do that. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but he did, he was able to get out. So that's Actually. good. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, that's that's. <laughs> but our son-in-law did just retire from the military. So oh, that's awesome. That's we had a medical service. That's good. So do you? Um, you must. Have, I mean, you must have a really big extended family now, uh, which is awesome. 
because you've mm. got all these grandkids and you've got your own kids. Um, do you do you guys get together as a as a big family very often? We did this summer with that wedding with um, Tim getting married, and then next summer with our fiftieth, we are. But we have one. Well, Seth is out in Oregon, and our yeah. daughter's down in Colombia in South America. So. They, the uh-huh. other four are closer, so we see we take whoever we can get, whenever we can get, for however long we can get them. <laughs> there you so go. that's kind of what you you know. We don't lay a trip on anybody if they can't make it, or we just try to get them together, especially for a picture. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind oh, of sure, yeah. It's yeah. Kind of, so you got that? You traveled a lot in in Europe. Do you still travel? Yeah, we travel yeah. mostly now just to see the kids. Sure. I really sure. don't care about seeing sights, but I did about the Grand Canyon. We saw these beautiful pictures. I haven't been there, but we saw pictures, and they said, "said How do you get these gorgeous pictures?" And they said, "After the rain, and then in the sunrise or sunset, that's when those colors just oh, yeah. come out of the stones and the mm. rocks." So that was really. I don't know why I threw that in there, but they call it the uh, golden hour. The golden hour. Oh, yep. Okay. Where the sunlight is softer. Oh. Because those pictures are so beautiful, and we looked at the thing, not the grant, but another one up in northern for the... So we do travel, but mostly now yeah. to see the kids. I forgot so. to ask you, did you do the, the... Isn't there like a glass bridge on the Grand Canyon, or like mm-hmm. over part of the Grand Canyon, or like a lookout thing? There were there were, there were were some lookouts, not where you would like walk over the canyon, because no way. No, no, there was like... I thought they <laughs> built one, though, that was like this glass, like essentially porch i i know didn't we didn't see any of that it, okay. maybe on the north rim i don't oh, know oh maybe it is the north rim i was just yeah. curious if you do that there's no way i would do that there's, there's no, no way, no way. <laughs> zero way no. you could tell me bro you could tell me that's bulletproof glass i wouldn't so think no it's no. like the um i think that's whatever sears tower whatever that's called yes, nowadays willis bad. tower i don't know what it is but they have like that thing that you like go in and then they lean you forward that's the like, um, the one in chicago right yeah sears tower yeah is this so called the sears tower i don't i feel like it's something it's different nowadays i'm it's like miller park i'm still gonna like call it miller park just have a habit park, just have right? a habit yeah. right or whatever whatever but Hancock, i could not do that there's no way i would get into glass and no. I, I know it's safe i know it nothing will happen likely I don't have not, that kind of trust but no it. no way <laughs> It's like um, it's like getting on a plane. Like I, um, I'm very much like my father, and that I'm slightly a control freak when it comes to some things. Um, my dad's a control freak all the time. God bless him. Uh, <laughs> when it comes to like driving, like when we drove in Arizona, I was the one who drove mm-hmm. because I knew it was going to be out. My wife is a good driver. I think I think in the city, I think she's a better city driver than I do because I'm not paying attention. Um, but on the highway, I think I'm better because I've got no problem staying awake. Um, I don't like naps as much as she does. And mm-hmm. I kind of end a year for that because <laughs> naps are nice. Uh, but uh, when, and I was going to talk about this today um, as as the cold open, but um, I don't like flying because I, because I don't like that I'm not in control. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to fly a plane, yeah. but... I don't like not being in control. If something happens, it's out of my control. There's not there's nothing that I can do. It's gotta let go. Zero man. It's gotta trust. Zero yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, don't trust it. That's how life is. <laughs> yeah, and and I think um, and on the return trip uh, when we we're flying from Minneapolis back to Milwaukee, um, that's such a short trip. They go up and then they go down. So like, why the time you get up to like 
26,000 feet. Um, They're like, oh, we're going to start our initial descent into Milwaukee. All right. (laughs) Um, But I was thinking about how how my life is not like that when it comes to the God, because our lives should be like that, that we should have no, we have no control over our life. Mm. God is going to, God, we should be, God is going to take us wherever he needs to take us. And we, we can go there and we, you know, we have the choice of course to get on the plane. Right. But, um, when we do get on, when we do choose to do God's will, we have to let him fly the plane. Let it happen. Um, that's terrifying to me when I think about it like that, because I have no control. And it, mm. it's it's a true it's a true surrender right. um, to to our Lord, which I, which is is what needs to happen. Absolutely, for for sure. But it's terrifying. It's you hard. Like, you like flying? It's hard though. People like. Do I like flying? Yeah. Oh yeah, I think I've I've done it enough. Like yeah, I I don't mind it. Yeah. There's a couple of times on a couple of flights. The turbulence can sometimes get me. Sure. Um, the most terrifying flight I've ever been on was I was visiting my sister in New Jersey and it just, no, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Newark airport. Oh my gosh. Let me tell you, Newark airport is an experience. Um, there's no, like people don't park there. So like my sister would be like, she told me, she's like, I'm not going to park. You just have to like throw your bag in and we gotta go. And I was like, what if I'm not there when you're there? She's like, I'm just gonna do another loop. And I'm like, okay. No joke, they don't stop. They just, you just kind of slow down. Are they not allowed to stop? But it's just like the parking there is so expensive that nobody parks. It's not like Milwaukee was like, oh, $5 an hour. Okay, okay, whatever. Like, I'm not gonna, you know. But, or like in the pickup area, you know, people stop and park. And yeah. No. Newark, no. It's like the jersey. Just keep going. Just keep going. Throw the bags and let's go. But uh, the most terrifying landing experience I've ever been, they had it just snowed and it was icy. And I was in this like, I was in such a small plane that we didn't get on. <laughs> we, we boarded it from the, with the stairs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I got outside and I walked upstairs. It was like a one seat and like a two seater. Yeah. It's a tiny plane. Um, and we were landing and we like kind of skipped and then we're <laughs> teeter tattering. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this plane should be slower at this moment. <laughs> and I looked at the guy next to me, didn't talk all day. Didn't talk to him all flight. I have no idea who he is. We just kind of looked at each other and gave that like, if you're the last person I see. <laughs> We're going to die together. <laughs> take care. <laughs> we just kind of did that look of like, oh. are you the last person I'm going to see? Didn't talk to him all flight. I have no idea what his name is. No idea his story. But we both gave that look of nice knowing you. <laughs> oh. we, I, I'm here today to tell the story. Thank you. Thank the Lord, but uh, that was yeah. There's a couple. I mean, I I'm, I love flying, but the taking off. I like the landing part. Is like eh, I think just because that one experience. Because now I have like those are my flashbacks. favorite parts. I, I like the taking off. I like the landing. My, it's the yeah. being at thirty five thousand feet that I'm not a big fan of. <laughs> my my wife first time she ever flew was with me. So we were going to Disney with my family. First flight ever. And I didn't know how she she loves it. She like was like, 
I gave her the window seat because oh, she was that's good. yeah, and she was like, "This is so cool. We're going so fast." I'm like, "Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know." Like I said, her on safe flights at that point, but it's it's fun to watch. I always give her the the window seat because I know how much joy she gets out of it. You guys, like, you guys pay extra to sit together, huh? To sit what? What do you mean pay extra to sit together? <laughs> we when Elizabeth booked the flights we. <laughs> We had to like. There was an option for you to like pay extra to choose your seats. We're like that's dumb. Put us wherever. We, I don't know if where did where which who did you Every, fly? for Delta? We didn't know that it was like pick your seat or we're gonna give you random seats. Oh yeah, no, you can, yeah. I I don't know. You can just pick so your seats. We never. Yeah, cost. you can't. But it was, it was an extra cost. Oh. But I thought it was just like I if you want to sit in a specific spot in the plane or would yeah. you really want the. Oh no! Seat. <laughs> no, they'll just it give you random seat, man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they were like this yeah, was like rows behind me on the other side. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't even get to sit next to my wife. This is lame. It's probably the reason I do like I've like I love flying Delta. It's just it's sure. the best. Yeah, I'm sure. kind of a snob yeah. in that way. Next is yeah, next is Southwest though, because A bags fly free. B, you can pick your seat. Oh yeah. So yeah. like yeah. it's all free for all. <laughs> and you're just like taking the risk of which seating group you're in. Which that if you're in the last seating group, good luck getting a group of more than two together. But uh, that's why I do like Southwest because it's like, oh, if we don't end up together, then we don't. But oh look, we are. If you're going so, overseas, yeah. double that because it's twelve hours, ten hours. Oh man, you really have to. Yeah. Know. <laughs> when yeah. you guys go to um, Belgium, do you fly to Colombia too to see your daughter? We haven't yet. They were just yeah. they've just been there. But our other daughter's going now, and she said the altitude is so high we might have trouble. Breathing, so they're gonna kind of uh, check, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, check yeah, it out yeah, first yeah. and right, see if yeah, it's really yeah. that bad. Or it, it even at the can, uh, even at the canyon, like it's Elizabeth and I would would do, we, we would just do like normal stuff, and we're like, man, why do I, why am I out of breath? And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. we're at eight thousand feet. Yeah, elevation sickness is a thing. I remember Manitowoc is yeah. six hundred feet. My sister, who also <laughs> lived in Jersey, she. Uh, Long story short, her first job moved her to like four different places. Sure. But uh, the third place she lived was was Colorado, and we went to visit her. And she's like, "Just let you know, like elevation sickness is a thing." Yeah. And I was like, "Okay, whatever." And uh, no, like I, I didn't get like sick, but I was definitely like tired. I was like, "This is yeah, exhausting." That's like I was like, "Why am I so tired?" She's like, "It's part of the elevation." I was like, "Oh, that makes why sense." Why athletes train it? Right, that's why. Yeah, that's, to train their bodies. Right. Yeah. Um, so when you fly to Belgium, um. I'm assuming, like, at this point, you're flying first class and all that? No, we don't. Really? Our son worked for the airlines, and we got first class one time. It was, like, $5,000. Whoa! Oh, yeah, to fly overseas first class. Yeah, he was able to get that. That was We just did that once. And, you know, you're just so pampered. It's not fun. I mean, it's kind of... And I shouldn't say that. I should be grateful. (laughs) And I am grateful for it. It was a nice experience. But, you know, it's just... When they're bringing the hot fudge cart around after you've had 600 courses, it's like... Really, Lord, you know, but yeah, otherwise it's the flights. Are, I am amazed at how many people still take real books along. They're not reading on the machines. They've got their books along. Oh, I'm a, I'm a hardcover hard book person. Books, yeah, so, yeah. I, I do hardcover. And it's really nice to see. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really kind of cool. doesn't strain your eyes as much. The I only time I've ever read a book on a Kindle was we were in Mexico and I and I, I was reading the, the Hunger Games series and I pawned oh, through the first one. Sorry. <laughs> I liked him at the time. Yeah, I did too. I liked him. Yeah, and who doesn't like kids killing kids? That's great. I know. It's yeah, like, yeah, a, it but the, anyways, the, <laughs> I was reading these Hunger, Hunger Games, and then I'd finished the first one. And we we're still in Mexico. My sister had the second one on her Kindle, and I was like, 
oh, I guess I'll do it. So I, I read it <laughs> on a Kindle. I didn't like it, but um, oh. I, I I'm I'm still a hardcover hardcover That's person. So you have to keep track of where I'm at. We had one funny thing happen when I went with all six kids during a summer once. Guido stayed here. He was working, and I he got through the first. We had all our backpacks and all our stuff, and we're all me and this, uh, we're all going through. And he came to the first pass, and they, he had the guy said he wrote him something on a piece of paper, and he said, "Take this." So everything, every stop we went through, <clears throat> he just showed this piece of paper, and they let us through right on the plane. So he's on the plane with us, tucking everybody in and going. You know, we're all settling around or whatever. And all of a sudden, he said, "Guido, the plane's moving." Holy! Ma- so he, so oh, the, oh the waitress co- or the waitress stewardess <laughs> comes running up, and she and I said he doesn't have it. Oh, mate! They grabbed him and they stopped the plane and they brought the steps back, and he. Well, I didn't realize it at the time, <clears throat> but they, <clears throat> excuse me, but they took him off the plane under his arms. His feet never touched the ground. Down those <laughs> steps and into the thing, and for three hours they interrogated him. Oh, what were you doing on that plane? Why were you on there? Did you have anything with you? Did you? Have it, you know, why would you? And I said, well, he might have used something against his wife, but he ain't going to kill his six kids. So he surely didn't put a bomb on the plane or anything. Anything horrible. But he really, and he's not a real verbal person. Sure. So to try to defend himself, you know, he, it, lucky he didn't get. Oh, man. Put it, but that, that would never happen now with all these whatevers. And we flew Icelandic the first times. Hmm. A nine, I think it was, what do they call it? Ten? Ten, what, is, what do they call it? I forgot, CC or something or whatever. It was a small, like a bullet. Mm-hmm. And you rode for how many hours in that plane? And it was a quite an experience. And one time the door, well, it's a long story. Anyhow, I like flying. Yeah. The door? What What? what, what, what the we door? got to Iceland and the door froze and they couldn't get uh, the door. They couldn't get the door open. <laughs> what they do? But finally they did. So we were late getting in and that was with Tim and he had to have his oatmeal at nine o'clock in the morning or whatever time it was that had to be done they opened the kitchen for me and made oatmeal for him and i could give him he was going to die if he didn't get that on his schedule so <laughs> it was they were very oh. kind very nice. yeah it was very but oh. we, we've had a lot of fun flying experiences i like to go to iceland iceland's a pretty country yeah it is beautiful at that time well when my parents came to visit when we were living in belgium they came to visit and they offered a three-day package where you could take Take your flight there and then take three days and see mm-hmm. all the sites, the spas and all that stuff in Iceland and come back on. It was included in your ticket price. Yeah, wow. I think it's actually one of the cheapest European places to visit. Like they Iceland like wants a lot of tourists yeah. and it's a very beautiful country, but like nobody thinks of like, oh, I'm gonna go to Iceland. But yeah, they have like really good yeah. um like flights are are way cheaper to fly to Iceland. So a lot of people fly to Iceland and like hopper flight. Yeah, elsewhere. it was a good um, yeah. But uh, that was all there yeah, was. In Iceland's place. beautiful, and they it's actually felt fairly reasonable to go there. Were you in uh, Reykjavik? Reykjavik, yeah. yeah. I don't you know, know any cities. Uh, probably the only airport there is over there. You know what Reykjavik is no. famous for? No. Uh, I think nineteen seventy three World Chess Championship. Bobby oh. Fischer, Boris Baski. Oh. You would know that. And then pretty much right after that, Fisher went crazy. Did <laughs> <laughs> you say chess championship? Yeah, that, yeah, Bobby Fisher did. I don't know. That did you see that movie about? Oh, it was such a. There's good a there's a couple um, there's a couple movies. Uh, Tobey Maguire's in it. Uh, Pawn Sacrifice. I think. Mm. I haven't seen it, yeah, but. Um, no, I've never seen it. No, Bobby Fisher's fascinating. It's a great story. Look him up. Uh, but we have gone. Uh, I Way think <laughs> maybe long enough. <laughs> okay. It's okay. It's okay. We've done longer. 
Um, so thank you so much, Vicky, for for coming on. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. So it, yeah, I, I, I'm a, I always I always worry whether or not like, oh man, are we gonna like get through stuff too fast? But um, we didn't. We didn't. You have a lot of great uh, great stories, a lot of great insights. So thank you so much for for coming on. Um, if you'd like to be like Vicky, and you would like to join us on the show. Um, you can email us at humblyspeakingpod at gmail.com. Um, I think we're booked out for the rest of the year. I think we have so uh, I think we need maybe, maybe one December. One in December, I think we, we need to schedule. I, yeah. think I think I want to get a priest for that one. Um, but uh, yeah, we are we are bumping along. So if you want to get in line, um, I don't want to make it sound like we're tuning our own horn, but if if you were like, because we record these like once every two weeks, so it's, it's right. not that it's not like we've got we're clamoring people at the door. Um, but if you want to, if you want to be like Vicky, you want to be on the show, you want to tell us your story. Um, we are, of course, giving preference to members of Saint Francis of Assisi Parish um, because that was the whole initial reason we did this podcast. Um, but that doesn't mean that we won't hear your story. We'll just kind of put you later on right so you're a good example of how the church wants to use the media so oh, thank I you for doing that these that things that means a lot glory to god glory to god that's great yeah. um so yeah please please pray for us we're we're definitely praying for you um praise be jesus christ amen amen, amen.